Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and on this week's episode I'm chatting with Sean Tambagahan to learn about brand strategy. But before we dive into the interview, I want to thank FreshBooks who have once again sponsored this podcast. FreshBooks is an accounting software designed specifically for freelancers and small business owners, allowing you to spend less time doing your accounts and more time designing logos. Since FreshBooks is cloud-based, you can securely access and manage your invoices, profits and expenses from your desktop, phone or tablet, wherever you are in the world. For a free 30-day trial, head over to freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and be sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. I'd also like to take this opportunity to mention an exciting new extension for Adobe Illustrator that's currently in development that allows you to create a comprehensive kit of logo files that are all nicely organized into folders within minutes. Until now, this has been quite a manual process. So having a product that creates a a full kit of logos automatically will save us logo designers hours. I've seen early prototypes of this and also given feedback too. So I'm really excited for its launch in April. So if you'd like to go and check it out early and see um, see those prototypes, just head over to logogeek.uk forward slash extension. The first 100 pre-orders will get 50% off. So make sure to be quick. If you want to go and see it, just head over to logogeek.uk forward slash extension. Anyway, as mentioned this week, I'm chatting with Sean Tambagahan, the founder and CEO of Butler Branding. I've been following Sean's content now for a few months and have been incredibly impressed with the stuff that he's putting out. In particular, his knowledge of brand strategy, which is the focus of this interview. So today we learn how he started his design agency, what brand strategy sessions look like, how he built his team and how he 10 x his prices and so much more. So let's just get straight into this interview. Here is Sean Tambagahan. Here today, your CEO and strategist for Butler Branding. Can you talk about your life prior to starting a business? Yeah, so I started Butler in 2012 and it was really kind of out of necessity. So when it comes to my training and schooling, it was really the School of Hard Knocks and the University of YouTube and Google. Never had uh, any kind of formal training, um, never went to college, never had the desire to do any of that. Actually, I was a terrible student in high school and the idea of college was just so daunting to me that, that you know, I felt I, I didn't want to choose the wrong career path and then change it in the middle of college. So I just, you know, was paralyzed uh, and didn't do anything. And so um, it was just kind of um, by happenstance, really, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Definitely didn't know I wanted to be a CEO of a, a branding agency, marketing agency. Uh, but I did know from an early age that I wanted to own and run my own business. Uh, really, from the time I was 16, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, my my dad is an immigrant from the Philippines, and my mom, uh, she started her business when she was 18. So my my dad, when he came here to America, he, he, he was always sold on the American dream that you could do kind of whatever you wanted to do as long as you worked hard enough. 
And uh, he ended up um, building his own business in real estate and doing investments. And uh, he didn't go to college here. And my mom didn't go to college either. And yet she started her own company when she was 18. So I think being raised in that type of environment, entrepreneurial with parents that never pushed college on me, it I just didn't see a value in continuing with formal education. And when I was 16 years old, I remember going to India with my mom in uh, while she was on a business trip and just seeing how she was able to kind of call her shots and work according to uh, how she wanted to do things. Um, I was really uh, attracted to that. And so I knew I wanted to run my own business. I just didn't know what. Fast forward to when I'm 22. I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I got a, a entry level job with my mom uh, in one of her companies. She She's, again, very entrepreneurial. She had uh, at one point seven small companies, um, but she had her main business, which was uh, in the call center industry. So she would basically be the middleman between people who sold things um, and the call centers. And so she would like oversee call centers and write scripts and do sales training. And uh, so I, I just got an entry level job doing um, like assessing calls. It was uh, extremely boring. I would listen to sales recordings and just make sure that uh, telemarketers are following the script and not committing fraud and things like that. Um, but quickly, I started kind of elevating in the company and, and getting more and more responsibility. And then uh, after about a, a couple of years, I became her operations manager. And then she started, um, you know, entrusting me to do marketing for her other companies, so the smaller companies. And she was operating on a very small budget. Basically, she said, Sean, I have no budget. Figure it out. I, I don't know how to do marketing. Do it for me. Figure out the internet. Figure out search engine optimization. I think we need a couple of websites. And so I was just kind of tasked with the, uh, with, with the responsibility of doing marketing for these seven small companies that my mom owned. I uh, eventually convinced her to uh, allow me to hire a an entry-level uh, developer. And he wasn't even a developer. He was someone who just knew HTML code and, and kind of knew the Adobe suite. And he would do uh, design and uh, like web design and development. And I would uh, write the marketing copy and we kind of both um, did the graphics together. And we were the marketing department for my mom's company. And so that was kind of like the intro to design and marketing for myself. Um, in in doing that, I realized that, man, I think there's probably a need for this from other companies. And so while uh, while we were working on my mom's companies, I said, you know what, I think I could maybe start my own thing. And so I was moonlighting, uh, developing this thing called Butler Web and Design. And so this was just basic websites and graphics and uh, on-page SEO that we're going to do for small local companies. And we're going to position ourselves for the uh, businesses who couldn't afford the big agencies. And we're going to work on really small projects. And so um, we it took us about a couple of months to develop a website and, and some marketing collateral. And then I just started introducing it to companies on the side. My mom at that time, she started... Um, not necessarily needing the intern anymore because he had already developed her websites and she wanted to kind of downscale her marketing department, which was us, the the two of us. And, um, and it was at the same time to where I was actually getting busy with uh, selling the same services to other companies. And so within about four months, I had enough uh, income to where I could make that jump and do this full time. And so I basically just assumed uh, that employee and uh, started Butler Web and Design, and that was in 2012. That's amazing. It's really fascinating to hear how you gained that 
uh, initial opportunity from your family, but it's, it's really admirable that you um, created a foundation for yourself. So when, when the time was right, you could take that leap and, and build your own business. It's, it's really amazing. Um, anyway, you, you mentioned that when you started, you was working on the, the, the copy for the websites, but how did you eventually get into the strategy side of things? Yeah. Okay. So when we first started in 2012, again, we're positioned for small businesses and really we developed a story, you know, story brand is now like a really popular uh, framework that people follow. Um, and, but at that time, I had never heard of StoryBrand. I just knew that we did need a story. And um, I, I remember hearing, I think, Simon Sinek's talk on Start With Why. And um, I was like, okay, well, what is our why? And so I developed our story. And our story had, when we first launched was, um, you know, a lot of businesses need professional looking websites and logos, and but they can't afford it. And, um, you know, I, I basically told our story about how, you know, I worked for my mom's companies and she couldn't afford marketing. And so we wanted to do high level marketing for uh, uh, startup companies that didn't have that type of budget. And um, I realized really quickly that I could only get so far with low paying clients. Uh, we, in, t- uh, in 2014, I really wanted to throw in the towel and just quit. I was like, man, entrepreneurship sucks. This is hard. I'm busy. At that time, we had already scaled to, uh, I think three or four more employees. I had a now overhead cost of $20,000 a month. So I had to make 20 grand a month just to get to zero at the end of the month or at the beginning of the next month. And, um, and it, we were working on 15 to 20 projects per month because they were all low level. And so, uh, I was like, man, we're extremely busy, never getting ahead. I don't know how to scale. I either have to do one of two things, exponentially increase our rates or exponentially increase the amount of clients we're serving every month. Doing 15 to 20 projects, it was a complete nightmare to even think about getting more clients with the staff that we had. And so I really had to make more money and I didn't know what to charge. And that's around the same time. So 2014 is when I was just contemplating throwing in the towel. And then I knew that I had to do something different. And so I said, okay, you know, I'm going to learn a little bit more, not just about business in general, but like specifically design and marketing. And so that's when I found um, this YouTube channel called, at that time it was called The School. Now it's called The Future with Chris Doe. And I heard Chris Doe start talking about the business of design. And I was instantly attracted to it. At the same time, I started learning more about UX design and UX design uh, required a level of strategy. And so I started just consuming as much content as I could about strategy and the design of business uh, and the business of design. And, and, um, and so, yeah, I started buying books, courses, watching all kinds of videos, uh, uh, going through all this content. And it was in 2000 and um, I think it was the end of 2015 where I purchased a framework called Core. And that's like one of the flagship products of the future that Chris sells. And it's their framework of how to conduct brand strategy. And so watching all of the videos that they had on YouTube and reading all the articles and things like that, it was kind of like the way I explain it is having all of the pieces of a puzzle on the table. You have all the tools that your disposal, but then buying that framework, it was like getting, seeing the picture of what the puzzle is supposed to look like at the end. It helped me put all the pieces together. And um, that was at the end of 2015. And that really changed um, my mindset of how I was going to approach uh, our clients. And so I, I decided, okay, well, we need to rebrand. We're not doing websites and designs and basic SEO. We are a full service branding 
agency. And we have to, before we touch any line of code, any pixels, before we uh, set up any automations, before we do anything for our clients, we are going to focus on strategy. And so um, in 2016 is when I set to do that. And within about six months, we completely rebranded ourselves uh, to now we're Butler Branding as opposed to Butler Web and Design. And um, we uh, at that time, we increased our minimum level of engagement about 10 times. So that means we were selling we went from selling uh, websites for $1,000 to now working on $10,000 projects and above. Wow, that's incredible. I, I'm a fan of the future uh, myself, and I, I've seen the the school videos you mentioned, but I haven't actually started using Core myself. But that's that's an incredible success story to, to 10x your price. It's really amazing. So I'd, I'd love to dive into the strategy side of that if you're happy to. Sure. Can you talk through what a typical strategy session might look like? Yeah, absolutely. So if anybody's considering getting into strategy, I would just say make the the jump and dive all the way in um, because it, everybody's doing some level of strategy, right? If you're going to design a logo, you have to ask a couple questions about who you're going to design it for and, and you know what their thoughts are. So doing brand strategy or discovery is just a, a way to better serve your clients and to to make sure that you're covering all the bases before you get uh, before you start going to design. So I would just go all the way in on it, learn as much as you can about it for for, for me, when I bought Core, like I said, it was it was uh, seeing the end picture, helped me put all the pieces together. But what it really did was it gave me a framework to see how uh, you could systematically look at a, a an organization from all of the different components. And so I don't do strategy the same way I did when I first learned about it. At first I did because I, I, I basically did it exactly the way I saw uh, them do it in the videos, but then I figured out what works for me. And so the way we do strategy today, it's continually changing. So when you say, what does the typical strategy session looks like, look like it, it changes really um, from one discovery session to the next, not only because I'm learning a lot more, but also I'm working with all kinds of different clients that have different needs. And so what I would suggest is getting a couple of frameworks, reading a few books on it. Um, and then just start doing it and practicing it and, um, and tweaking as you go. So the way we do it, um, no matter what exercises we walk through with a client, um, I always look at four primary categories or aspects of an organization. So the framework that we follow at Butler, um, we look at the, the business, the brand, the users, and the marketing. And so within those four primary categories, I might have different exercises to pull from that I could do with a client. Um, and so the business, this is where I get a 30,000 foot view of the organization that I'm working with. So like, how does the money work? What are we selling? What is, um, you know, who is our competition? How do you stand in the marketplace? Who are you really trying to serve? What does your ideal client look like? What are your key offerings? Um, how much profit are you making? Uh, what are you looking to do? What are your global business objectives? How do you know you're on the right track? Like, what are the key performance indicators? So we're looking at the, the business in general. So that's the business category. Then we look at the brand. Okay, so now we know how your business operates. What makes you special? What makes you stand out from the competitor down the street who's doing the same exact thing? So what is your unique selling proposition? Um, what, what is your, your brand's personality, your voice, your tone? Uh, what is your messaging? What is your story? And so that's where we're, we're putting a little bit of personality to the organization. So first is like very cold statistical information. Then now we're putting some meat on the bones. And then we look at the third category, which is the users. And I tell them, tell, you know, the clients that we work with that without this third category, you don't exist without the people that you're serving, uh, your brand doesn't exist. So it's really important to get yourself 
uh, your mind off of yourself and onto the people that you're really trying to serve. And that's where we might do user profiles. Um, you, know, you might call them avatars uh, or uh, our personas. Uh, and we also do user journeys, user stories, uh, user experience. And so if we're doing a website, we might do a UX uh, strategy session with them to where we are. Um, you know, what do you, what do people expect to see on your website? Uh, what do we want them to see that they may not have expected? What features and functions should we have? What actions do we want them to take? And then the last category is the marketing. Okay, so now we know your business. We know your brand. We know who your users are. How are we going to communicate to them? And that's where we look at the channels that we are going to focus on as well as uh, the the marketing spend, uh, the messaging, um, and uh, and all of the things that might fall under marketing and communication. So those are the four categories we look at. And I have about 10 to 12 different exercises that I could pull from that fit into each of those categories. And that's how we do brand strategy. And again, it changes from client to client. Uh, and we're always adding and updating um, the, uh, the, the exercises. But typically, the initial discovery session that we do with the client is anywhere from uh, three to four hours. Nice. Okay. And to clarify, that discovery session where you're investing for uh, three, four hours, is that a paid consultancy session? Or do you include that with um, everything else that, that you would do for that client? Yeah, we do not do discovery until we receive money. So the deposit secures our ability to schedule my team and to schedule discovery. Discovery is the first step of us creating. If someone were to just hire me for discovery, we could do that. I've had clients just pay us for the strategy session, which is that four-hour session. You give me a couple of weeks to develop the uh, document based off of the notes that are uncovered in that session. And uh, and there you go. And that usually costs about $5,000. Um, and so that's just for strategy and they, we could hand that strategy off to their own internal marketing team or to another company. Obviously our preference would be for us to execute on it because we've actually done it to where people have paid us for strategy and we've seen it executed really poorly. Um, and so, yeah, the, we, we don't do discovery until we, uh, get money for it because it's, it's a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally understand. Um, plus you're providing a lot of value within that too. So uh, it's understandable. Anyway, another thing I've been thinking is is how you went from creating solutions for £1,000 and then with strategy, you've been able to 10x that price and start offering solutions for 10k plus. In terms of the actual final product, how drastically different was that after you made that transition? You know, it, it really was night and day. So it's not that we just charged more money to give them the same level of service. We had to transition and level up in our ability to design and create. And so, um, you know, after I bought Core, I that's when I, I met Christo and he actually ended up coaching me. Um, and he's still my coach this day. Just, you know, I, I bounce off ideas off him. He'll call me every once in a while, just check in on me. Um, and it's been super helpful. But one of the things that Chris taught me early on was, Sean, you're not charging more just to charge more. You you want to charge the prices, you uh, charge the rate you need to charge in order to serve clients the way you want to serve them. So don't, don't think about the money you want to make, but think about how do you want to serve clients? Like if you had the ideal client whose money wasn't an issue, how would you per, um, ideally serve that client? And I said, well, I, I would spend a lot of time on strategy. I'd probably hire the best designer that could, um, yeah, I would hire different uh, disciplines for the different aspects of building something. So it wouldn't just have one designer on it. I have one 
designer. I would have a developer. I might have a copywriter. I might have a, a photographer. Um, you know, I had all of these pieces and then I'd, uh, I'd want to be able to be accessible too. So I want to be able to answer my phone if they have a question at two in the morning or, you know, nobody's ever done that. But, you know, you just think of like, what is rolling out the red carpet for your client look like? And then you say, okay, well, how, what's a fair rate for that? And so the the level of service has increased with the increase of cost, but also the level of um, the deliverables because we're able to hire specialists that, uh, to do their individual tasks rather than one person creating the entire thing themselves. Mm, that's a really great way to be able to raise the bar and uh, actually offer the type of products and services you want. So I, I know that none of us could do that on our own and um, you've needed to build a team. I understand you now have a team of 10? Uh, no, there's nine of us, yes, it, uh, including myself and my wife. So I have seven employees. Okay, could you talk through how you grow that team? I understand you started with just an intern. So I'd love to hear how you was able to grow the team that, that you have today. Yeah, so I started with an intern. So, you know, people say, well, when, how, when should I go from myself to somebody else? And I, I started with somebody that was uh, hired on. And, you know, it was a minimum wage paying job uh, because they were going in school and they, they would be happy to work for free just to get the experience. But I'd be, I'd feel terrible to do that. So I said, look, my budget is really small. This is what I can afford. And he's actually stayed with us and, and um, he's become our webmaster. He's, he's amazing at what he does. He's a, a, a great designer, great developer. Uh, and I love having him on our team and he's, uh, you know, our OG employee. Uh, but every, so the, the way I've hired is I always, I basically scale to where we're busy enough to, um, uh, to where we needed to hire somebody. I mean, it's really that simple. We, we work until we can't work with the team that we have, and then we have a pain point and then I have to invest, uh, into hiring new people. And so, uh, David is our webmaster. He, when I uh, first hired him, we were, uh, I, I was basically working him to death. And he said, Sean, I need somebody that knows what I know who can help me with some of these projects. And so I went out to uh, another local trade school that was teaching uh, web design. I interviewed a couple of uh, students because that was, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the budget to hire a, a top person at that time. And, um, and sh that developer is actually still with us as well. And so she's been with us for, I think, four or five years. Um, and so those two, um, and then I have hired a couple of other people and I, my initial, um, strategy was to do what, uh, Tony Shea recommended in his book, delivering happiness, which was, um, hire people that are entry level that show potential to progress at, uh, instead of hiring all rock stars, because when you hire a rock star, they're usually set in their ways. And it's, um, it, it's, it, sometimes it's a, a hard culture shift for them. Hire someone that's a good culture fit that can uh, do the tasks at, you know, at the level that you need them to, but they show uh, room for growth. And so I tried to do that with all of my staff, but I realized when we were in that transition period um, from rebranding uh, our company in 2016, that I needed higher level people. And so um, we, I, I had to make an investment. It was money that I was scared to invest because it was, man, it would mean we're going back down to zero at the end of the month. But I needed to, to take that risk and hire um, higher level uh, employees. So yeah, when, when we first started hiring, it was basically, you know, work until we can't work anymore, invest in higher entry level, try to train them. That worked up into a certain point to where I realized I needed higher level people. Okay, I love that you've been so transparent with that. It, it, like, it, it's good to know that sometimes you have to take those risks, but 
you did that and you've been able to make a huge like, success of it. So someone- now, I, I, I do want to interrupt, though, and say if I sure. were to start over, I would have done it differently. I think I hired too fast and too early. OK, um, I didn't li- I never liked the prospect of outsourcing. I was uh, turned off by it for wrong reasons. I just I had um, uh, just a, a bad understanding or, or mentality about what outsourcing would look like for us. But if I were to start back over, I would uh, not hire employees and outsource or make strategic partnerships. And we do that actually now to this day, even though we have, uh, you know, seven full-time employees plus myself and my wife. Uh, we also have um, contractors that we work with that are amazing at what they do. So we hire good photographers that have a very specific niche. We hire uh, different graphic designers that um, have a particular design style. And if I were to start over, I would have made more strategic relationships with um, contractors than, rather than hiring early on. And that's really interesting. So, so if you started out again, you'd be outsourcing and uh, work it, basically working on your own rather than hiring people to work in the same office as you correct. I just want to take a short break to tell you more about FreshBooks who has sponsored the Logo Geek podcast and without them it simply would not be possible. I remember when I started out as a designer taking on my own projects I was creating my own invoices in InDesign and I was keeping a log of my money in an Excel spreadsheet. That was fine at first but with more projects it was just taking too much time and tracking expenses in Excel was becoming quite messy and confusing. But then I tried FreshBooks and it changed everything. Invoices that used to take, you know, five, 10 minutes now took around 30 seconds to create. My profits and expenses were also nicely organized too. And I I just immediately felt so much more organized and more professional in the process. If you're not yet using an accounting software, I highly recommend that you give FreshBooks a go. And if you're listening now, you can get a free 30-day trial. And there's no strings attached. You don't need to enter any credit card details to try it out. All you need to do is head over to freshbooks.com forward slash logo geek and be sure to enter logo geek in the how did you hear about section to get started. Now let's get back to that interview. One topic I'm keen to chat about with you is the rise of brand strategists. Brand strategy is being heavily discussed online and I'm seeing a lot of graphic designers now now referring to themselves as brand strategists rather than graphic designers. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I I understand um, you totally focus on strategy. Like you, you're you're not a designer. You don't code. Correct. Now, um, do I, you? T- well, uh, no. I'll let you finish your question, but uh, that that is correct and and uh, also incorrect at the same time. So I do I don't code for sure. I don't develop, um, but I do design. I'm not a, a great designer. I, I hire. I mean, my designers that I hire are better than me. Um, but I still. Uh, I'm in Photoshop. I'm in Illustrator. I'm I'm creating layouts and stuff like that. But I'm uh, always progressing towards doing less and less of that and focusing primarily on strategy. Sure. So so my question, people who are graphic designers, do you think that they should learn brand strategy and, and start to refer to themselves as and as brand strategist as a way to increase their prices? Or do you feel that brand strategy should be a pure focused discipline? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I, it really, I, I would, it depends on who I'm talking to and the context and what they're trying to accomplish. So if you are a pure graphic designer, like I hire designers, they don't want to be a part of the strategy. They want to be delivered a strategy by somebody else. They don't want to do any of the client communications. They don't want to sit at the table with the CEOs. They want to design. And I'm completely fine with that. I will hire you all day and I don't expect you to create a strategy. I expect you to create based off the strategy that is provided to you. So uh, no, I don't think all graphic designers should be strategists. But if you are a an agency owner or a studio owner and you're trying to scale your business and you're stuck and you're trying to grow a business and you are at the end of the day, you're in uh, you're in business. You're not just a designer. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah, I'd, I'd say figure out what you want to do. If you just want to design, then get a job doing graphic design, whether you're freelancing or working. With, but don't position yourself as a strategist, but understand that there's only so much money in the pot that has to be distributed. So slapping the title of strategist on you in charging more money, that's not necessarily transparent or fair. So just be completely honest with yourself. But if you are a, comp- a, a, a CEO and you're trying to grow a business, absolutely you have to think of strategy. So whether you're doing the strategy yourself or you hire a strategist, it's a critical part of uh, of the design process. What I don't like, and I've seen a lot of this with the rise in uh, exactly what you said is, is that uh, people see this as a means of charging more money. It's like, oh, you know what? I want to make more money. I don't know how to do that. Oh, Christo, Sean, they're, they're telling us to do brand strategy. So boom, now I'm a brand strategist and I just increase my rates. That isn't uh, ethical and it's, it's not true. It's, it's not just a means to make more money. Um, you have to think of strategy and discovery as a means to serve your clients better. So if you don't have a thoughtful strategy that's, that is really different than what you were doing before, then learn it and figure it out. Learn how to do it and then become that. But don't just slap the title on you and charge more money and, do, and then offer the same level of service as you were. Yeah, exactly. That That's what I was hoping you would say is um, it really concerns me that there are so many graphic designers calling themselves brand strategies when they don't have the know-how or experience and, uh, and are pretty much offering exactly the same service they, they would as a, a graphic designer, but they're just slapping on that title. But like you've explained in this interview, you've changed your sales process, your internal uh, processes, who you're working with, how you're working, you, you've, need, you've needed to make big changes and implementing uh, strategy has really impacted everything that you do. And, and that's how you've been able to uh, charge more um, because you're actually offering a, a bigger and better service. That's right. Now, you mentioned a few books and courses you, um, you read and took to learn about brand strategy. In this interview, we can only really scrape the surface um, on this topic. So if someone did want to learn more about this, are there any specific resources you would recommend people look at? Yeah. So uh, an easy way to do this is if you go to butlerbranding.com forward slash books, there are some uh, essential recommended reads. Um, some of them are around uh, entrepreneurship in general. Some of them are around design. Some of them are on strategy. Some of them are on uh uh, marketing. Um, and it's just a curated list of books that I felt were very helpful and instrumental in shaping the way I think about business design and strategy. And so, yeah, that's butlerbranding.com forward slash books. Um, on uh, courses, obviously, I am uh, I, I would consider myself a poster child for the futures course uh, and all of their content is amazing. I haven't been disappointed with any of the content that I've seen from the future. I, 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 
highly recommend anything from them and Christo. Uh, and then also I've been working on this thing for the last five months called the Butler Box, which is about to launch. Uh, well, I'm behind deadline on it. So I haven't put any hard dates on it. It's, it's like right on the cusp. I was actually working on some of the last minute touches last night. It's an entire video, video curriculum along with study guides, along with templates and uh, worksheets everything that I've learned in my business all curated and organized in a easy to read and digest uh, way. And so it includes all of our proposal templates, how we do strategy, our discovery documents, how how we uh, create stylescapes, how we manage projects. I mean, literally everything about Butler all wrapped up into a box. And I'm, I'm uh, about to launch that here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that sounds like a really useful resource. I, I'd, I'd imagine by the time I roll out this interview, the the product will be live. So what I'll do is I'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Awesome. Um, so that listeners can go and check that out. And I, I think um, they should be able to find that at logogeek.uk forward slash 4.6. Do you have a price point for that yet? Yeah. So, so I've been, I, I set a price by just pulling it out of the air and being really empathetic uh, to, uh, to uh, the, the demographic that I'm trying to serve. But every time I've told the price, I've been told even by my mentors and coaches and people who are doing the same thing that I'm underselling it. So right now I had it listed as $500 um, and they're saying I need to double the price. And so I think for an initial launch, I might have like a some sort of a promo for, uh, through like our, our distribution network of maybe half off and then it's going to go up to a thousand. And then we're, we're also doing um, coaching. Well, we, I will be providing um, group coaching and uh, I also have to double the price of that. Right now, I have the price set at uh, $200 a month for four months, and, but it's actually going to go to $400 a month for four months. And that's um, group coaching in and uh, the max amount of people that I'll be able to have in that group is 10. So I want it to be small, five to 10 people. Um, and that includes uh, two group calls per month where we're going deep into one of the topics of the Butler Box. And it comes with also one-on-one -on -one coaching calls and a mastermind group and exclusive content uh, through a private Facebook group. So it's, it's a lot of value and it's almost like a boot camp style um, coaching. That sounds amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, that myself. Now, I'd, I'd love to also talk to you about finding clients. I know you're very active on social media. You have a lot of connections on both Facebook and LinkedIn. Do you have any advice for listeners to make the most of these social platforms to attract clients as you are? Yeah, uh, a great book for that topic is Gary Vaynerchuk's Crushing It. Um, and when I, when I um, set out to do social media marketing, I didn't have a lot of strategy behind it. I said, you know what, I need to just create content. I know I need to be out there. Um, and so I was just going to add as much value as I possibly could to people. And it, for all I knew, I was throwing up content to the wind and I didn't know who was paying attention. And just slowly but surely and steadily, uh, gradual growth happened on, on social media. And I, I built some sort of a, a following and influence in the space. And it wasn't really, I mean, it was intentional, but I didn't have a strategy behind it. Yeah. I just started putting out content. So uh, now obviously we're a bit more strategic. I have staff that helps me, you know, think through these things and they're helping me write content and they're helping me uh, get the videos that we do and put it into workbooks and and they have funnels going on. But when I first started, I was just putting out content. And so I would suggest just doing it. When, when it comes to business, it's really simple at the end of the day. It's about supply and demand, right? So is there a demand for whatever it is you supply? If the answer is yes, 
then there's a couple of questions you need to ask yourself. Who's demanding it, right? That determines your target audience. And you you want to be as specific as you possibly can. So think about who you're really trying to attract. So who, who's, who's demanding it? And then the second question is, okay, well, now that you've identified who's demanding it, what is their felt need? Um, and what their felt need and what their actual need is are sometimes two completely different things. I knew that when I was um, creating content, specifically client-facing content, that they didn't think they needed brand strategy. Uh, they think they needed a website design or website redesign. And so I created content around what their felt need was. And so in that, obviously, when I had the conversation with them, we would talk about what their felt need was and the, it would transition to what their actual deeper uh, needs were. But I needed to create my marketing content around their felt needs. So who's demanding it? What is their need, their felt need? And then where's their attention? Social media is obviously, uh, we're, we're in the age of social media. So, I mean, it, it's here. So I would, uh, you know, if you're not doing social media uh, content creation, then just do it. It's like, what, 1.9 billion people actively using Facebook every month, a billion on, on Instagram. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. And they're adding all kinds of social features to where it's not only a search engine now, but also a social media platform. Um, I would at least focus that. That's what, those are the three platforms that we really try to focus on. Not so much uh, Instagram anymore but um, uh, Facebook and YouTube. LinkedIn was just kind of a necessary, um, you know, uh, just part of the the nature of the beast that um, you, it's a lot of B2B. So there's a lot less users on LinkedIn. But if you're talking to designers and creatives, that's where their demographic is. It's, it's basically Facebook without the drama. It's all business, <laughs> all business, no drama. And uh, you can make a lot of great connections on LinkedIn. And I've made a few on there, but primarily I would say our, our leads are generated through um, our Facebook content and search engine optimization, which is focusing on content on our website. Oh, that's interesting. I, I get most of my leads using SEOT, but uh, that's a huge topic in its own right. And uh, we don't really have the time to go into that. But with regard to LinkedIn, I really use that myself as I tend to focus mainly on Facebook and Twitter. So what what are you doing on LinkedIn to attract clients? Is it just a case of sharing regular content or do you have a more intelligent strategy for that? No, LinkedIn is still very one, very much one of those organic things. So I don't have uh, my marketing team uh, focusing. Well, I take that back. They, they do have a strategy that I don't know if it's been rolled out or not, uh, creating content specifically for LinkedIn. But LinkedIn is just a great way to build your referral source. And I had a few leads uh, through there. There's some some good tips on how to like clean up your LinkedIn profile, like how your profile picture ought to look and what your description is. And I, I took actually a couple of courses uh, on just some basic fundamentals of how to set up your LinkedIn profile. And in fact, actually, uh, I think Monday I'm going to be interviewing, I will do a video interview uh, for our YouTube channel um, with uh, one of the, the, the girls that uh, did this course on LinkedIn and her name is Jennifer Darling and she's going to give us some tips on LinkedIn marketing. And so short answer is I don't have a strategy, but I know some of the basics, which is like native video always works best. Video works really well. Doing articles on your LinkedIn, cleaning up your profile, all of that stuff is really important in getting you uh, in front of the right people and building your network organically. Um, but there are uh, some experts out there that have a lot more better insights on it than I do. Okay, that video you mentioned, I know here today that um, hasn't actually been created, but by the time this interview goes live, it should be. So I will include a link to that in the show notes so that listeners can go and check that out. As I mentioned earlier, show notes should be at logogeek.uk forward slash 4.6. So you, you mentioned who's demanding it. 
um, say basically who the target audience are. Do you have any advice to help listeners work out who their target audience is? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, the, uh, not to, to pitch uh, the butler box the whole time, but, but a lot of this is in there. Um, so the, when it comes to scaling your agency, a lot of people think about marketing first, right? Like, who, how do I do marketing? And um, and it, it, my suggestion is you're jumping the gun. Don't think about marketing first. Think about brand positioning. So the, the chronological order of things that you need to think about strategically to grow your creative business is this. It goes first brand positioning, then marketing. Then you need to think about your sales process. Then you need to think about strategy. And then you need to think about project management. So again, it's it's positioning, marketing, sales, strategy, and project management. So before you go to market, you need to position yourself. So the question should be, how do I position myself for my ideal client? Uh, and that assumes that you've identified an ideal type of client. Who are the clients that you want to work with? And that's really, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have the freedom to define that for yourself. Who do you want to work with? What types of clients do you want to work with? What types of um, projects do you want to work on? How much do you want to sell your services for? You you get to create that. That's like, you know, the beautiful part about entrepreneurship is, is there is no limits on you. And so you define that for yourself. Um, and so once you define that, then you have to use either data or imagination and empathy to build out a user profile and, and figure out, okay, like what, what does their average day look like? What is the pain points that they, uh, they're experiencing as it relates to what we offer? Where is their attention? Um, you know, how, how can I grab their attention and direct them to content that maybe I, I create? What questions are they asking that I could be the one to answer those questions? And so those are the things that you need to think about in brand positioning. And then you got to look at yourself as well. One of the other things that I would recommend is look at who you want to be neighbors with. So look at the agencies or the businesses that do what you do in the space that you're in that you would like to align yourself with. These are the people that I want to be neighbors with. Like if we were, you know, living on the same neighborhood, like our houses kind of look the same and study them, you know, look at your, their, uh, their messaging, their graphics on their website, how they're presenting their work and do an audit, a competitive audit and see where are the gaps in your messaging, in your graphics, in your, uh, the, your photography, in your case studies and, and, um, do an audit that way and just come up with a list, tear your own site apart and say, why are, why does this company look like they're positioned for the clients that I want to attract? Uh, and what can I do differently? Fantastic advice. Everyone definitely needs to go and check out your Butler branding box when it comes out as it, it sounds really useful. Um, I also wanted to ask you about pricing, um, I, I also wanted to ask you about pricing because uh, at the start of the conversation, um, you said that you was able to offer the same product with strategy added on and basically 10x your price and uh, and basically 10x your price in the process. What was it that you did um, from a sales perspective to make that transition? I would say it was 90% my mindset. Because by that time, we were doing better quality work and we had the capability to even do better work. If I had the capacity to, the breathing room to focus in on projects, we were good at that point. So we weren't doing the same level of work that we did when we first started. I mean, when we first started, I sold my first website for, I think, $350. <laughs> and to be honest, it was worth it. It wasn't, <laughs> it, it was worth about that much. But, but in doing, you know, over like, I think it was at that point, 
1.300 something websites, we we learned a couple things. And um, so at that time, our, our skill set was there to where we could take on those projects, but my mindset wasn't there. I didn't have as much confidence that what I was doing was actually worth it. And people were going to, um, uh, they, they were going to the balk at my price or, or have a lot of pushback. And so I had to get over my own internal um, hurdles, which was my mindset and think that, you know, what, I do have confidence. What I have to offer uh, is valuable. In fact, it's probably worth more than what I can charge for because I want to help people. I'm going to charge $10,000. Right. And so that a lot of it was my mindset change. And that was getting around a group of people that were all going in the same kind of direction as me. That was the, uh, the future pro group. And that's why we have a mastermind group. And, and, and getting around other people that are uh, having that same mindset. So that was one thing. Um, but then there were some practical things that I did was um, the first time I ever charged for strategy. Before we were doing strategy, at, at, um, you know, at least some level of strategy for free. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to charge for this. And the first time I had the guts to charge, I think it was like $300 or something like that for strategy and get zero pushback. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, I just charged three hundred dollars for something I never charged before, so I'm gonna charge. I'm gonna try to charge a thousand dollars for this. And so next time I positioned it to a client, I said, "Yeah, you know, we we do discovery, and this is what our stra- strategy process looks like, and we charge a thousand dollars for that you know, before we even go to design." And they said, "Okay." And it wasn't that I didn't get pushback. So all of these mental things that I was going through, they're going to, I'm going to have to, you know, overcome all these objections. It was more in my own head. And so then I charged $2,500. I started getting some pushback, you know, some people, you know, just can't pay that or can't afford that. And that's fine. I had to be okay with saying no to certain types of projects and really define who I wanted to work with and who I didn't want to work with anymore. And so, um, yeah, I, I started charging. I, I, the first time I think it was 300, then 1,000, then 2,500. And then I, um, you know, I got really bold six months later, charged uh, $15,000 for strategy. Uh, and it was worth it. It was a lot of work. It was a really big company. And it took me uh, about a month to develop the marketing strategy for them. And what was really cool about that is that actually turned into my biggest retainer client to where they paid us. Uh, uh, $120,000 last year to do um, all of their marketing. And so, um, you know, the, it, just having the confidence to be able to step out and do it was a huge part. Wow, that's incredible. I know personally, I can relate with that too, as um, I've slowly been increasing my prices over the past few years. And uh, the main thing for me is being confidence to start quoting higher prices and actually start charging what I think I'm worth. So I totally agree with you that, you know, we all need to start being more confident as there are people out there that are willing to pay, you know, for a quality service. Anyway, we are near the end of our time. So I have one last question for you. If you could offer just one piece of advice to designers just starting out in a career, what would that advice be? Uh, just one piece? Okay. <clears throat> um, don't. Uh, understand the the tension between paralysis by analysis and entrepreneurial ADD. Know where you fit in that and make sure you go outside of your comfort zone. And so that uh, piece of advice needs a little bit of explanation. So um, paralysis by analysis, this is overthinking things to the point of inactivity to where you think you have to, you're, you're always getting ready to get ready and you never actually go out and launch. Um, everything that I've done in my business has really been 
building the runway as I'm landing the plane, figuring it out as I go, being okay to step out without having all the answers and without having a neatly buttoned up thing. You know, uh, I think it was Mark Zuckerberg's mantra was to move fast and break things. Basically get out uh, and do stuff and then, you know, uh, figure it out as you go. Now, it doesn't mean don't don't have any kind of thought behind it. You want to make sure that you, you plan as much as you can, but you're never going to have all of the answers. And so just go ahead and start, get something done, and you're going to learn a lot as you go. Uh, and, but then on the other spectrum, on the other uh, extreme is the uh, what I call entrepreneurial ADD, which is where you chase every kind of business opportunity that comes your way. You see an awesome opportunity and you go chase it and you waste all your time and effort um, on things that are going to be uh, unfruitful because you're operating outside of your uh, your, your capabilities. And so, uh, and that's, that's a lot of people, they say, Oh, you know, oh, I want to do brand design. Oh, I want to do graphic design. I want to do web design. Ooh, UX design. Uh, I want to start an agency or I'm going to build a course. It's like, you know what, focus on like the immediate things that you can do right now and, um, and, and do those with excellence until you can start adding and, and scaling. And so, so understand the tension between entrepreneurial ADD and paralysis by analysis, know where you fit on the spectrum and be willing to operate outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely amazing advice to end the interview. Sean, it's been really great to chat with you. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I had a good time. Such a fantastic interview. Sean, thank you so much for your time. If you'd like to learn more about Sean and his agency, head over to butlerbranding.com. Also, if you're keen to look into the Butler branding box Sean mentioned, he's kindly offered listeners of the podcast a 50% discount. So if you want to go and check that out, just head over to agency.butlerbranding.com. And when you make the purchase, just use the promo code LOGOGEEK as one word. That's one word, LOGOGEEK. So Sean, thank you so much um, from me and the audience for offering that. It's fantastic that, that you've done that for us. If you'd like to check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find links to that, Sean's website and anything we mentioned in this interview, along with a full transcription, just go and check out the show notes and you can find those at logogeek.uk forward slash 4.6. If you'd like to talk about this episode with myself, Sean and over 6,000 logo designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and it's one of the best places to meet and mingle with other logo designers. To join that, just head over to logogeek.uk forward slash community. If you've been enjoying the Logo Geek podcast and you want to give back in some way, why not write a review on iTunes? Not only is it great to get feedback, I always like to hear from you guys, but doing that also helps me to reach more listeners too. So if you do have a few minutes to spare, that will be greatly appreciated. So thank you so much to anyone that does that. So that's it for this week, but I'll be back again the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast. <laughs>